You're listening to Temporary Circumstances, and I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. In this podcast, we're going to share some ideas and things that we've learned that aren't too often talked about in mental health, including some taboo topics, if you will, like death and grief, trauma and PTSD, addictions, and others. We will cover some of the worst things imaginable that happen to people around us every single day and how we can help them get through those difficult times. The opinions on this show are ours only and do not reflect any agency that we work for. Hey everyone, so we wanted to spend some time talking about sex addiction today. So we've talked very briefly about other addictions in the past, but we wanted to take some time and talk about this specific one. So we have a guest with us today, uh, Bridget, and I'm going to let her introduce herself here briefly before we get started. Hi, my name is Bridget Lowe, and I am a licensed professional counselor in the Columbus area. All right, thanks. So, Cora, do you want to start this? Sure. So, I am new to what sex addiction is as well as our listeners. It's not something that I focus on in my own practice. So, why don't the two of you tell me what exactly sex addiction is and how it's different from the other addictions that we've talked about before? So sex addiction is not a disorder that you will find in our diagnostic and statistical manual. But again, as we've mentioned before, um, there are certain things that can be addictive or really just about anything can be addictive. And sex addiction is one of those things. So sex addiction, like any other addiction, is something that interferes with an individual's daily life. So for example, someone who's an addict probably thinks about um, using all day long. Same thing can be with sex addiction. This person can be thinking about having sex or looking for sex all day long and spend long amounts of time doing that. It is also something that can cause harm to that person or to others. So it can create relationship difficulties or financial issues. Or again, it can just impact your daily life. So if you're thinking about something or you're seeking out something like a substance or a behavior all day long, you're probably missing out on things like work or your social support network in the meantime, and and that can be harmful. What what else do you have to add to that, Bridget, if anything? Um, Sure. I think that sex addiction is also, um, much like other addictions, it's a cycle. So even after you are able to locate pornography or be able to connect with somebody to have sex, whether that be a partner or somebody else, that you go back into the cycle in the immediacy that it's over. So you continue this, and this is one of the reasons why it becomes harmful, because it is interfering in the normal daily life cycle. It's different from other addictions because it is sex. It kind of works the same as other addictions as far as you know, looking for something that's going to make you feel better. So if we think about addiction as a self-medicator, really we start to understand why it becomes addictive. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I also just want to mention that when we talk about addiction, this is the way that we have been trained that we view addiction in that medication sort of way. I know Cora and I have talked about it in previous episodes too, However, it's important to notice that not everyone in the mental health community views addiction this way. Um, So some other practitioners may view it as a primary issue 
to where we need to address it with things like coping skills. Whereas I think all three of us view addiction as a secondary issue that arises as a result of something else. So if we know that some counselors and therapists have different differing opinions on what sex addiction is, how to treat it, then I would assume that most people might not understand what it is and what that can turn into. So are there some stigmas or misconceptions or biases about people with sex addiction? Yeah, definitely. You know, the first one that comes to mind is, I think, a bias or a stigma that applies to most addictions. And it's just this idea that um, the addict can stop anytime and that perhaps the addiction just came from a series of bad choices and bad behaviors or in so many words, just that the addict kind of wants to be an addict. And we know that that's not true as um, we know that addicts actually try very, very hard to not be addicted. Yeah, I mean, I think that when we think about traditional addiction, we're thinking about something that is chemically based, so they become addicted to the chemical itself, where sex addiction, like gambling addiction, is a behavioral addiction, so it might be harder for the general population and and therapists as well to understand that it's not necessarily a choice anymore, that it it is an addiction itself. Right. Absolutely. And so with with sex addiction itself, you know, just the idea of sex addiction, um, I think is very shameful and most people stay away from talking about it. We also tend to assume that someone who is addicted to sex is probably a sex offender, but that is not true in all cases. Um, And not everybody with the condition, of course, commits crimes. What else do you have to add to those, Bridget? Yeah, I want to add that, you know, sex addiction can be even confusing for the sex addicts themselves because it is something that's a natural part of a relationship. It's something that people, you know, mature adults can do and it feels good in the body. Um, It's very confusing when we're dealing with sex addiction because in many family systems, it's not something that's talked about. There's a lot of shame added to it. Sex can be a very dirty word. And then we also have to look at some of the, you know, religious communities as well. Again, this is something that happens between two committed married people. It doesn't happen outside of marriage. It really depends on the culture and the religious views as well as family system views and what you've been um, born and raised to believe and to believe is shameful and what is, you know, okay. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind, too, because that's that's part of something that's going to keep perpetuating that problem. You know, if we never talk about it, why would anyone want to reach out and seek help if their family or their religion or maybe even their school, if nobody ever talked about it? You know, we tend to assume that something must be wrong with us if we're experiencing something like this, if no one has ever mentioned it before. One of the things that we know with traditional addiction that we all kind of think of is that there's a lot of comorbidity with trauma, or oftentimes we see addiction and trauma together. Is that true of sex addiction as well? Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, Sex addiction, much like all other addictions, oftentimes has a a self-medicating component. The reason we become addicted to something external is that we're looking to self-medicate our hurt parts. So um, definitely somebody who has a history of trauma is looking for some sort of external validation or seeking something that's going to take them away from the hurt that they're feeling and can't process 
into something that they can. So that kind of brought up a question in my mind. When we're dealing with people who are victims of sexual assault or sometimes perpetrators of sexual assault, a lot of times we're finding that people who perpetrate were once victims themselves. And I was just wondering if there's any correlation with sex addiction and um, sexual trauma in childhood or in youth. Absolutely. So one of the things that happens during trauma is the subconscious will actually hold in the same kind of feelings and attempt to replay and reestablish those same exact feelings and events that took place before. So it's not uncommon for somebody who is um, addicted to pornography or addicted to sex to actually seek out some of the very same and similar situations to almost replay them and reprocess them. Um, most of the time, this is completely un they're unaware of doing that and it's unintentional, but even sometimes often we'll have some people who will seek out very violent types of sex or even certain ages of different people to almost you know, imprint the exact same age they were at the time that they were assaulted. So what role does the internet play? I, I would assume that it plays a big role nowadays, but what role does that play in sex addiction and some of the things that you see clinically? Yeah, so we definitely, um, I think we've seen a rise in sex addiction in general um, since the internet, you know, since we have so much access to the internet and we have so much freedom on the internet. There is, you know, we, we also tend to talk about porn addiction, which sometimes falls in the same category as sex addiction. And sometimes it's looked at a little bit differently. But obviously, with porn addiction, the use of the internet is huge today. Now, it's also important to mention that the internet is also a place where people can obviously meet other people today. And so this could be a way for someone to find people to talk to or to find partners um, or to just find an individual to have sex with. So obviously the internet is huge in that, but I'm curious to hear on what your thoughts are, Bridget. Absolutely. I, um, I agree with everything you said. And then I think it's important to note too that um, years ago, we kind of started, you know, internet chat rooms. There's a lot of just words on the screen. So there was still a lot of fantasy involved. Um, people could really um, continue to have normal sex lives. But then we really got into more images and videos that people have access to frequently, often, um, you know, able to look it up even while they're working. So with having that immediate access, it, you know, you're not getting enough of it in the brain so that they're going to look for even more, even more extreme things to get the same kind of stimulus. I, I, I did want to mention one more thing about that too. Um, and it's just, you know, there is a sense of kind of safety and security to the internet that is not actually always there uh, the way that we perceive it is. But what happens is, you know, for, for someone who's an, a sex addict, for example, to go on the internet and to find something they're looking for um, tends to be easy and it tends to be very predictable. And that feeds into the cycle of addiction because we know that we can go to the internet and we can get the same end result that we're looking for every time. And it's going to make us feel better, right? If we're looking at it as that self-medicating thing. And so the internet, in so many words, it can't deny you. It can't really bring you down or turn you down. And you always get what you're looking for. 
And I think that's really big when we talk about sex addiction and porn addiction. So this kind of leads back to what Bridget was just saying. If somebody is looking for a very specific experience and it may not be something that another person would consent to, they can go online now and not be rejected and find exactly what they were looking for to meet that need, to reprocess the trauma and try to come up with a different solution, a different ending there. Yeah, exactly. We're going to pause for a second for a media of the week this week. And Olina, you had a book in mind. I do, yes. So Patrick Carnes is an author who talks quite a bit about sex addiction um, as well as other addictions. But he's got several great books um, out. And perhaps one of my favorite ones is Out of the Shadows. So again, that's by Patrick Carnes. um, And he talks about sex addiction He talks about some things that can possibly lead to developing sex addiction and does a really great job of explaining many things that play a role in that. And then also does a good job of giving some ideas for treatment. Uh, Bridget, I know you also like this one. Was there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I really like this book. It's a book that when you open it up, if you're dealing with sex addiction, you can really start to feel like you're not alone. Uh, definitely uh, tells, you know, tells a story. And pretty often I've had some people say it tells their story. So that was Out of the Shadows by Patrick Carnes. So I know we spent some time talking about the link between trauma and addiction. And I want to share some statistics with you guys in just a second on that. But we do know that individuals who struggle with sex addiction, a lot of times have had a a troubled childhood or upbringing, and they tend to deal with a lot of intense feelings of shame and hopelessness and isolation because of all of those factors we've, we've already covered. So in the United States, it is hard to estimate um, the the exact numbers of people, but it is estimated that sex addiction currently hits about 12 to 30 million people in the U.S. Um, So it can apply to both men and women. Women tend to be understudied, and perhaps that's another stigma is that we tend to think of men when we think about sex addiction, but it's absolutely true that women can be sex addicts too. So just some additional statistics from the Recovery Village. This is a program in Florida that treats sex addiction specifically. They shared that um, studies on sex addiction show that people who struggle with sex addiction currently, um, 72% of them were physically abused during childhood, 81% were sexually abused, and 97% were emotionally abused. So again, we can see that link between trauma and addiction there in those statistics. We know sex is part of normal life, of being a human, of having relationships and connecting to other people. So how would somebody know that they're actually suffering from addiction and that they need treatment? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So when we look at any addiction, really, we look at how this uh, behavior or use is impacting the person's life. So if it is impacting the person's life in a negative way, um, for example, their social life, maybe they're not seeing any of their friends because of their addiction, Um, or maybe their work life, maybe they're putting off work as a result of this addiction. So we know that in these ways, the person's life is being negatively impacted. So that's one sign that you might have an addiction. 
Now, another sign is if it's causing the individual some kind of distress. So perhaps, again, they're spending most of their time on this um, behavior or seeking out the behavior, or um, maybe they're trying to stop, but they can't. That's a pretty significant sign of an addiction as well, um, and that's causing them distress. Can also have um, those negative effects like relationship difficulties and financial strains as well on the individual. So if we're seeing that someone is being negatively impacted by a behavior or an addiction and it's causing them distress, then more likely than not, they are starting to struggle with an addiction or are struggling with one. Yeah, I also um, think that it can manifest into some physical dysfunction as well. Um, so whereas you can start out having a very, sex, a very healthy sex life, eventually through the addiction um, things don't start things start not working properly so the mind and the body actually stop connecting in a normal fashion um, therefore it takes even some more extreme you know stimuli to be able to have you know some normalcy to be able to get an erection to um, to be able to have an orgasm so those are very important key notes to this as well as the addiction um, increases the dysfunction will increase that just made me think about like risk factors of this particular type of addiction. And, and maybe this is a stigma because I don't know as much about this as you guys do, but what about health impacts, um, physical health impacts that this addiction can, can cause? Sure. The physical, um, you know, dysfunction obviously is not being able to perform, but also you're there, you know, putting yourself at risk as well. Um, finding multiple partners, uh, definitely some sexually transmitted diseases, and then also a lot of times it's comorbid with uh, drugs or alcohol. So you're putting yourself at risk there as well. And I think it's important to note that, you know, those things can also play a role in that cycle that we've talked about before, because for someone who feels like they perhaps cannot sexually perform, you know, the internet is a place, again, where they will not be denied or they will not be shamed for that. So they're even more likely to go to that place and again, engage in that same behavior because they're looking for that particular outcome. Another risk factor are legal issues. Obviously, um, there's the ability to collect, download, and re-upload pornography as well as share it. There are some sting operations obviously happening with human trafficking that are locating computers that have uh, multiple um, downloads of pornography. So there are some legal issues that you can get into there. And then also um, people who pay for sex. You know, unfortunately, we've, we do have access to people who are advertising online, another internet thing, um, meeting up with those people and then paying for sex has its own um, level of issues as well. Another legal issue we might consider is family court and um, what sex addiction can do to a family that ends up in divorce and child custody issues and legal issues through family court. Absolutely. Just one other thing I wanted to mention before we move on is just that it's, it really is important to seek treatment for any addiction because if we don't, it is likely to turn into another addiction. Um, we also know that individuals who struggle with sex addiction are also likely to already have another addiction, such as to drugs or drinking. 
Um, and, and so while someone thinks that perhaps they've kind of dealt with their sex addiction on their own, uh, maybe they've cut down on whatever it is that they're using, but in fact, what's likely to happen is those other addictive behaviors are likely to pick up at the same time if we don't get treatment. So what would be effective treatment for sex addiction? Well, as we know right now, there is no medication that's going to um, be able to eliminate sex addiction. So we look into other options, which are going to be um, psychotherapy, such as talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. So counseling is going to be a big component into successful treatment outcomes. I think it's important to mention here, again, and I've kind of talked about this at the beginning, but you know, we want to kind of make sure that we're treating the right thing, right? And if someone's sex addiction is something that developed as a result of a trauma, what we want to do is we want to treat that trauma. So we, I listed some statistics for you guys earlier, and it looks like we know that the, the statistics show that it's above 70% of people with sex addiction um, were abused in childhood in some way. So if we want to treat that medication, that sex addiction, that's a medication for that childhood trauma and abuse, then we have to address that trauma and abuse as well. Um, I think that as far as treatment goes, that is the, the best outcome is going to be to find the root cause, what is, um, what is perpetuating the addiction, um, what trauma have you experienced in your life, and really really healing those um, inner hurt parts. Um, sometimes uh, people would like to uh, do a couple of different options, and one of those being a 12-step program, something where they can feel like they're not alone, um, be included in a group, and then also get some valuable steps to kind of keep them from uh, continuing the behaviors while they work through the past trauma. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all we have on sex addiction. Uh, Bridget, thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge of sex addiction with us. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Leave us a review wherever you found us and comment on anything you want to hear more about or have questions on.